want to thank everybody that was able to come yesterday to the congregational meeting. It was a success. We got things done. The uh, <clears throat> lunch was fabulous. Thank you, Ed and Sharon and all who put that together. Um, <clears throat> thank you very, very much. It is a, a joy to be your pastor here and to see you all together, enjoying each other's company and working together in, in mission for Christ. And I'm going to mention that one more time. This month's mission is for the Lutheran congregations in mission for Christ, and uh, we will be sending uh, all proceeds to them. They are on a shoestring budget. They do not have a large staff, very few paid positions there. But they are the organization that allowed and endorsed uh, me as a pastor. And um, were it not for them, I wouldn't likely be here with you today. So um, please uh, consider them uh, in uh, your heart for prayer and also any kind of uh, financial uh, offering that you could give to them. It would be much appreciated and, and put to very good use. I'll let you go through the bulletin on your own. And we have Louie on the soundboard this morning. So Louie, take it away.
Please stand if you're able. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins, and as his called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord for this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, mercifully look down upon our affirmities and stretch forth the hand of your majesty to heal and defend us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, and then verses 5 through 6, and then 8 through 10, and can be found on page 761 in the Pew Bible. 
In this book of the Bible, Nehemiah is telling the history of the third return of the Israelites to Jerusalem after the third captivity. He then leads them to rebuilding the fallen walls of the city and help the people renew their faith in God. So Nehemiah 8, 1 through 3, 5 through 6, and 8 through 10. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of, Moses, of the laws of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They read the book. Uh, they read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, the teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We will read Psalm 19, verses 1 through 14 responsibly, which is printed in your bulletin on page 6. This Psalm of David points out both God's creation and his word reveal his greatness. Psalm 19, 1 through 14. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But to you, sir, 
Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. The next reading is taken from the first book of Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 12 through 31, and can be found on page 1785 in the Pew Bible. This is continuing our reading from Corinthians from last week. Paul compares the body of Christ to the human body. Each part has a specific function that's necessary to the body as a whole. Even though we're each different from each other, we must use our different gifts to spread the good news of salvation. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentiles, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot would to say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for any, that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving a great honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then miracles, then gifting of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Uh, I'm missing one page. Are all the apostles, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Gospel according to St. Luke from the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning is from St. Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 through 30, and can be found on page 1596 in your Pew Bible. Luke records He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom For the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled the scroll up, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land that Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet. Yet no one, not one of them, was cleansed by Not one of them was cleansed, only Nahum, uh, the Syrian. And all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, they drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd, and he went away. This is the gospel of the Lord Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth 
and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So, so far during this epiphany season, it's, it's been pretty happy. Let me remind you of what we have been witness to in our gospel. The Magi worshipped the Christ child. John the Baptist and his followers witnessed an epiphany of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at Jesus' baptism. You remember with the sun in the water, the Spirit descended as a dove, and the Father proclaimed Jesus as his beloved Son. And then Jesus revealed himself as he transformed water into wine. So, so far, the epiphany has been about worshipers and followers and believers. Today is different. Today, we hear that Jesus' epiphany angered the people of Nazareth so much that they tried to throw him off a cliff to his death. We learn that while some people rejoice in God's epiphany, others react in anger and extreme prejudice. Jesus began teaching in the synagogues of Galilee, and the quality of his teaching caused the report of his teaching to spread. And naturally, when he returned to his hometown of Nazareth, the people They expected him to teach in their synagogue as well. And so the message began well enough. As Luke records, as Jesus rose to read, the attendant handed him the roll of Isaiah, and it was opened to the reading of the day. This reading was a gospel message that was based on the year of the Lord, which was also known as the year of Jubilee. Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was a financial reset that God commanded every 50 years. It's recorded in Leviticus, and you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants, and it shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. In this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his property. If your brother becomes poor beside you and sells himself to you, you shall not make him serve as a slave. He shall be with you as a hired worker and as a sojourner. And he shall serve with you until the year of Jubilee. Then he shall go out from you, he and his children with him, and go back to his own clan and return to the possession of his fathers. That's Leviticus 25, verses 10, 13, 39 through 41. 
This was a big deal. Can you imagine? All the land reverted to its original owners. And all of the Hebrew slaves were set free in Jubilee. Now, Isaiah stated that God was preparing a year of the Lord that would be like the year of Jubilee. And in this case, the Lord would free people. The Lord would free people from sin. Now, if you examine the context of these words in Isaiah, you will notice that even though Isaiah ministered over 700 years before Jesus was even born, he still followed Jesus' instructions to preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Isaiah gave an account of the many sins of Israel, and he called them to repent. And then in chapter 60 of Isaiah, he begins a proclamation of forgiveness. He says, the captives and the prisoners in this prophecy are not just the captives and prisoners of the political enemies of Israel, but they are also captives and prisoners of sin. So the words that Jesus read on that day were from the middle of that great proclamation of the forgiveness of sin that Isaiah proclaimed to all of Israel. And then Jesus rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and all the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Luke 4, verses 20 21. So basically, Jesus pointed to himself as the fulfillment of this prophecy of forgiveness. For we know Jesus is the bearer of good news. Jesus is the binder of the broken heart. Jesus is the liberator of the captive. Jesus is the opener of the prison. Jesus is the bringer of the year of jubilee. Now Jesus identified himself as the forgiveness that Isaiah that Isaiah, by the power of the Holy Spirit, spoke of in this message to Israel. And Jesus identified himself as the kingdom of God come down to earth to save his people from sin. Now those, those who heard these words, they responded in amazed confusion. All spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Luke 4, 22. Now, all of their lives, the people in that synagogue, in that service, had heard rabbis speak of the one who would come, the one who would come and, and set the captives free. Now, all of a sudden, 
this Jesus guy walks in and says, I'm the fulfillment of the prophecy. I am here to set you free. And the crowd is in shock. And at first, Jesus' teaching style, they'd impress them. But then they became suspicious. And they said something like this, is this not Joseph's son? Can you just imagine someone say, hey, you know what? My wife used to babysit him. Or I remember when he and his father, Joseph, used to build things together. He's just a local kid. Who does he think he is that's saying that he's the fulfillment of prophecy? Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he called them on it. He said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. Luke 4, 24. And then he gave them the examples of Elijah and Elisha. He said, Elijah stayed with a widow during a great famine. Not just any widow, a Gentile widow. And Elisha healed a general. Not just any general, but a Gentile general of the Syrians who were the sworn enemies of Israel. And in both cases, Israel rejected the prophets of God. And in both cases, God sent his prophets to bless the Gentiles. Now the men of Nazareth very quickly followed the examples of their ancestors. Instead of recognizing their own, their own hardness of heart, and they should have been repenting, but they did not, they acted to kill Jesus. And that is when they tried to throw him off the cliff. Now, we know while Jesus came into this world to die, he came to die at a specific time and in a specific place. And Nazareth was not the place, nor was this the time. And we read in Luke 4, verse 30, but passing through their midst, he went away. And those last three words, he went away. They're very sad. Jesus had given an epiphany to the people of Nazareth and they rejected it. He offered salvation and freedom from sin to them and they tried to throw him off a cliff. Humanity has a sad, a very sad history of rebellion against God's grace. The Old Testament is full of rebellion, some of which is utterly obscene. And one of the saddest passages of the Old Testament involves the prophet Ezekiel. The Lord allowed the Babylonians to carry him into exile, but then the Holy Spirit gave him a vision of the temple. And in this vision, God himself gave Ezekiel a tour, a tour of the abominations that Israel practiced within the very temple 
courts. What were those? Well, it was the worship of animals, the worship of the sun, the return of spring, and so forth. And he gave him this tour, and we read about it for chapter after chapter. But we know that eventually God stood on the threshold to the temple, and then God left the temple and ascended to the mountains surrounding Jerusalem. And then the Lord left Jerusalem altogether. The people had rejected God's care for them, and therefore God left. They rejected him, and he left. Jerusalem Jerusalem was without protection, and it would not be long, we read, until Babylon would return once again to destroy Jerusalem, to destroy the temple. Now, in more modern times, we have Martin Luther's warning to the councilmen of the cities of Germany. Martin Luther told it like it was. People didn't like to hear what he said. Listen to what he wrote. He said, you should know that God's word and grace is like a passing shower of rain which does not return where it has once been. It has been with the Jews, but when it's gone, it's gone. And now they have nothing. And Paul Paul brought it to the Greeks, but again, when it's gone, it's gone. And now they have the Turk. Rome and the Latins also had it. But when it's gone, it's gone. And now they have the Pope. And the Germans need not think that you will have it forever. For ingratitude and contempt will not make it stay. Therefore, Seize it and hold it fast, whoever can, for lazy hands are bound. Lazy hands are bound to have a lean year. The most destructive theme in history is the theme of rejection of God's salvation. For after a time of rejection, God will leave. Will you reject his gifts until he leaves you? Well, of course not. You haven't. And may this never be. The year of Jubilee is an object lesson in the history of the nation of Israel. The prophet Isaiah used it to point to Jesus. And just as Israel was free, or was too free, the slaves during the Jubilee, so also Jesus came to free the slaves. In his case, he came to free those who were slaves to sin. And he did this by letting Roman soldiers nail him to a cross And as he hung on that cross, he earned the freedom of the Jubilee year for the sins of all of mankind. And Jesus wants to give us the gifts 
that he purchased for us with his holy life, his suffering, and with his death. And he wants to give the gifts that he authenticated with his resurrection from the dead. He wants to tell us how his death on the cross has freed us from our captivity, has opened our eyes to his salvation and liberated us from sin's oppression. Jesus truly is the fulfillment of God's promises. He is the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah. And he has preached the good news of the kingdom of God. And he has shown us the light of his salvation. And with his life, and with his suffering, and with his death on the cross, he has freed those who were oppressed by sin. And with his resurrection, he offers the Lord's favor to us. And he gives these things to us through the Holy Spirit's gift of faith. Now God has promised all of these things to us. He has promised all of these things to us. And today, they are fulfilled in your sight and in your hearing. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm finding myself at a long
washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know you're in this place please let me stay and rest in your holiness word of God At a loss for words And the funny thing is It's okay And if you're able Let us confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church, the whole church of God and Christ Jesus, and for all people according to their needs. Lord God of Zion, we give you thanks that you have risen to show pity to our fallen world, setting us free from our sin and death. In Christ, the appointed time of favor has come for all people. Cause your name to be declared among all peoples that your grace may not be rejected in our time, but received with delight in every place. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, your people in the days of Ezra the priest returned to your word with attentive ears. Give us eagerness to hear your word with understanding, that our days may be sanctified in your commandments put in practice among us. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. 
Holy Father, you have arranged us as members of one body in Christ Jesus. Free us from jealousy or contempt toward our fellow Christians. Lead us to bestow honor on our weaker brothers, to suffer and rejoice together, and to serve in harmony as those baptized in one spirit. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, bless all families and homes that one generation may tell to the next the wonderful works of God in Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Oh God, give wisdom and courage to all who govern our communities and country that they may lead well, following your will rather than man's whims. Grant us willingness to support them with our prayers and encouragement. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious and compassionate, Lord, comfort those who mourn. And as our great physician, mend the bodies and uplift the spirits of all in need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, your Son has come with favor to deliver us, and in his blessed sacrament he brings cleansing and strength. Give faith to us all that we may, or that we would not despise our Savior and his holy communion. Do not pass through us and go away as at Nazareth, but dwell among us graciously. Lord, in your mercy, And all this we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace at a distance responsibly. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God. Maker of all things, through your gifts you have blessed us with these gifts. Then we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. Sharing our life, he lived among us to reveal your glory and love and that our darkness should give way to his own brilliant light. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name, and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. 
And the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death and his resurrection and his glorious triumphant coming again. Let us now pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. You may be seated. In a way, we celebrate Jubilee every Sunday when we come up to the rail and we are offered freedom. We are offered forgiveness. We are rescued from sin, death, and the devil. Jesus said so. You've heard it. You've heard those words today. And every Sunday, when you come up for this beautiful sacrament given to us by Jesus, may it comfort you and may it give you his peace. The table's been set. The table is ready. Come, the ushers will bring you forward.
I um, want to thank you all again for coming together as the body of Christ, the many different people that come up to make the many parts of the body of Christ, the church that Jesus gave his life for. And I want to thank everyone who participates and goes beyond their comfort zone to come up and and help in different ways. Um, It's not missed by me or anyone else out there that this may stretch you beyond what you're comfortable with. I, for example, reading at the lecture or offering a prayer or sharing uh, uh, the duties of the sacrament, the distribution of the Eucharist. Um, if anything that I've shown you or God's shown you through me is that it's not, I'm not perfect. You guys know that, right? And I make boo-boos. And he is able to take a boo-boo maker like me and do something in his will. And so I encourage you to step beyond your comfort zone. If you've never helped, come and help in the Eucharist. Come and read the Scripture. And I pray that God would touch your heart to do that because it's a blessing for all of us. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.
Light of the world by darkness slain 